0: Can I get a double pizza burger, chili fries with cheese, and a uh, large chocolate milkshake? I don't know. No matter what I eat, my weight just seems to stay the same, so I just figure what the hell, I'm going to eat what I want. Now, What if you recognize that you've had a pattern of thinking in your life in which you tell yourself, for example, you know, I know I'm supposed to get a good education in college, but what the heck, you know, I do what I need to do to get by, to pass my courses, and that's it. Or you see the pattern come up in another area of your life. You know, I know I'm supposed to help out my wife or husband around the house, but, you know, I just squeak by. I do the bare minimum, and that's it. Or I know the boss wants me to give him my all, and I told him I would on the interview, but I've always done the minimum, just so that they can't fire me. Do you know anybody in your life who drags their feet, who just does the bare minimum? And what accounts for this anti-effort mentality and what can you do about it if you know that you have it. With me today to take a closer look at this thought pattern is Dr. John Lewis. He received his PhD in, in classics from the University of Cambridge, England and he's now an assistant professor of history at Ashland University and his specialty is classical Greece. Hey Dr. Lewis, welcome to the Rational Basis of Happiness.
1: Hello Dr. Kenner, how are you? Thanks for having me
0: on. Oh wonderful to have you on again. From a professor's point of view, what do you notice in your students? You know, students don't think that professors notice this all that much. But the students who just want to get by, they just want to do the bare minimum and they coast.
1: Well, believe me, if a student thinks that that's not obvious, they're wrong. You know, this is obvious as all get out. There are just some students who seem to adopt as a pattern in their life just doing the minimum to get by. Now it's it's blatantly obvious in their work. Many of them will come to class, but they don't participate in class. Some of them will, you know, put on the pretense anyway of doing the assigned reading, but they never go any beyond that assigned reading. They never go out with any sense of wonder to try and investigate the subject. And basically, they do C work and will come in afterwards and tell, try to convince you that it's worth an A. Sometimes, it, sometimes <laughs> it seems to me, I mean, they'll do that a lot. And, and with great inflation in America today, where the average grade at Harvard is an A, you know, the idea is, is growing that just by fogging a mirror, you're somehow worth an A. And it's <laughs> certainly not the case in my class. So it is obvious to a professor yeah. when a student is just getting by. And I must say that I had, you know, a 20 year business career behind me, but, you know, becoming a history professor was a change of career for me. And I saw the same attitude in some employees
0: that they do just what they They, have to do just what they have
1: to do at the interview they tell you exactly as you said in your in your intro at the interview they tell you about how much they want to work and how interested and exciting you know they they are a a pro-effort
0: mentality
1: a pro-effort mentality they make it sound in other words like they want a career and they come in and in a week you realize that they're just there for the job it's a difference between a job versus a career mentality
0: what, jo- what, what would you say is the difference in well, that? Well, a job is the person who watches the clock.
1: The job is the person who says, my, you know, my job is to uh, do whatever it is, whether it's, whether it's a cleaning service to a brain surgeon, and just wanting, just doing the amount of time that is necessary, always looking at the clock, living for the nights and living for the weekends.
0: What does that tell you about that person's values, what they enjoy in life?
1: Well, they certainly don't enjoy their work. And more than that, they don't seem to recognize that they should enjoy their work. And it's the same for some of the college students. They're there in order to get a degree, in order to get a piece of paper, possibly because their parents told them they had to, or the career center told them they wouldn't get a job if they didn't do it. But they're watching the clock. And they don't realize that they could actually, by some effort, make the college experience enjoyable and worthwhile for them and uh, I think that these are the people who go into a career and end up in the same position. They don't realize that they could make their work enjoyable uh, as well as uh, uh, monetarily. So
0: better. they take that same pattern that they've adopted probably from childhood and bring it into college and then bring it out in the world with them and then carry it on to old age. And what do they miss out on?
1: Oh, well, they miss, they miss out on the real joy of doing something productive with their life. That's what I think. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't ever watch the clock. You know, I mean, I mean, I was late for my interview with you today. I'm sorry about that because I'm working on a book, and I just get carried away with the time of it. I just love it. It's not something that I, that I sit here and watch the clock over.
0: So they miss, the, they miss the happiness in their life, but they may not see it that way. They may say, well, I do what I have to, and then I'm happy. I can go to the bar afterwards. I can go partying. I can go play golf. I can do other things. But, oh, it's just a job or it's just college. It's something you have to do to get a silly paper in college so that you can go out there and get a silly job. But that's not real living. That's not what makes you happy.
1: Well, you're going to spend, you know, one-third of your life working. And, uh, you know, a college student, a good college student, spends half of their life either in class or, or studying. And why would you want to be miserable for that time? You know, search out, find out that which interests you, that which makes you happy, and go do it. One of the things that, you should, that should be available to a college student is the opportunity to take different classes in many different areas to try and figure out what he or she likes to do.
0: To just shop just around for a career, to shop, shop around, around for their, to see what interests they have.
1: Why not? You know, why not?
0: Yeah, I certainly did that. I wanted to major in French, and then I wanted to major in art history in art, and art, and I bounced around a lot. And then ended up, I tried psychology, but I wasn't interested in feeding rats, so I dumped that one. And then I ended up in biology.
1: Well, that's interesting because if psychology means you know feeding rats, Rice Krispies, Rice Krispies, then <laughs> right. then you then, right, then you may not want to be interested in.
0: And I used to like Rice Krispies. <laughs> well, it I killed used my to, love of Rice Krispies. I before. used to like rats. You know, <laughs> 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 um,
1: well, you know, if if the, you know the student needs to go out and find something that he or she likes to do, and don't accept this idea. That because you're benefiting from it materially, you can't benefit from it psychologically. It can make you happy. You've got to find the right thing.
0: If you find a career, you've got to find the right thing. And more
1: about. than that, you've got, you've got to say, okay, I've got the right thing. In order to find the right thing, you've got to throw yourself with, with uh, gusto into it.
0: Right, and I, I know I did that. I don't think I ever studied so hard in my life when I finally made the decision to go back to graduate school. And I, it was nonstop, but it wasn't torture for me. It wasn't a duty. It wasn't an obligation. It wasn't a heavy. I was passionate about it. I couldn't wait to learn the next vocabulary word. And the same
1: for me. And even when I was in business before that, you know, the, the, the 16-hour days were, um, when it came time for a vacation, I could actually appreciate the vacation more. Than people who were just getting by, you know, for whom the vacation is just a chance to get away from the drudgery. I used to like to try to tire myself out so that a vacation really meant something.
0: Yeah, and usually on vacation I take my work with me because I love my work. Well, I, and you would be punishing me if you said, Ellen, you can sit by the pool all day long without any books. I, I did it's that, too.
1: <laughs> we, we just got back from Florida, and there's took a big box right. of books with me.
0: Right. So, so we're on the same wavelength here. We're on the same wavelength. Anyway, <laughs> this is what people miss out on. When we talked earlier about the students who just think they can get away with it and that they'll achieve happiness by just skimming by in life, whether it's in school or in work... Or in, or in marriage, romance. in romance, just doing the bare minimum. I gave her flowers on the wedding day, and that's it. Gave her a ring, that's it. Or gave him, you know, I cooked a meal for him. What else does he want? that's it when they have that type of mentality they think they're fooling other people and that they're really they they try to tell themselves they're really happy but they don't realize that they're robbing themselves of what could be a phenomenal life a wonderful life a much happier life and it's that attitude that if you find it in yourself you want to change that anti-effort mentality into a pro-effort really enjoying your life would you agree Dr. Lewis? I
1: would agree and boy you can fool you know some of the people, some of the time, but you can't fool yourself for long.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the person who suffers most. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Lewis.
1: Thanks for the chance to be on.
0: I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. Great being with you, and see you next week on The Rational Basis of Happiness.
1: Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologists Dr. Kenner and Locke.
0: Darcy and Mark met at work, dated a few months, and moved in together. But differences in interest and taste became a sore spot in their relationship. Darcy loved dancing. Mark feared making a fool of himself on the dance floor, and he recoiled when Darcy suggested taking dance lessons together. Mark was a sports guy. As spring approached and Mark started golfing, Darcy felt the distance grow between them. Mark pressured Darcy to join him. She staunchly refused. Both felt abandoned by each other. Due to the growing resentment, even small differences in their tastes flared into major arguments. Although they both had lovable qualities, their differences in interest and tastes brought out the worst in them as a couple.
1: You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com. And you can buy the book at Amazon.com.